Hello, friends. Welcome to the Start Building Podcast. I am your host, Tim Sandland, and we have a fantastic episode for you today. I'm so excited. I think this is a very timely episode. Many of you have maybe seen the memes and the articles and the news all the way down to the Today Show talking about lumber prices. Well, I'm going to be talking with Michael Wisniewski, who's the CEO of Materials Exchange, as well as Ashley Buckholt, who's the Chief Revenue Officer, about buying and selling lumber and what they are doing that is incredibly innovative to change the industry and how this is done. So, without further ado, it's time to start building. I want to start off first. Welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, Tim. You know, I was thinking about this. I'm thinking I want to hear more about your background because um, I can't imagine someone wakes up and says, "What industry do I want to disrupt today?" Like, what industry can I disrupt? And the first thing that comes to mind is buying and selling lumber. So, so clearly, <laughs> you guys must have some experience in this industry to understand that there's an opportunity, there's a pain point somewhere in this process. So I'd love to hear uh, about your background and then let's get into exactly what Materials Exchange is and, and how it all got started. Um, so Materials Exchange simply is business to business e-commerce. Now, the, the twist on it is that the product that we are having commerce on is a commodity. And with a commodity, there is the unknown of price. So the knowns are, it's uh, standardized as far as quality, as far as quantity, as far as um, spe specifications, but everyone's searching for that elusive, what's the price today? And the hard thing that the average person has with a commodity or with lumber is that the price can go down just as easily as it can go up. Um, so, you know, in our normal commerce world or e-commerce world, we act like shoppers. We just go and we look at storefronts, which are on the you know web. You go to web pages or to Amazon, right? And you search around. Um, the sellers have the responsibility to put the price and to lead that conversation. And in fact, as a buyer, you have zero control. You can see something on Amazon. You're like, well, that's really cool at $6. I'll pay five. There's no capacity to do that. It's so important to have that in a commodity. So when I go back to, we are B2B e-commerce, but we have a user interface um, that has the look and the feel and the functionality of a financial market where prices do move up and down. You consider the stock market, if you uh, buy and sell stocks, you have the ability to put a bid into the market. Um, if you do happen to trade uh, futures contracts, um, you have not, you don't have the uh, ability, you have the need to put bids into the market. So that's really what materials exchange is. It's nothing more than business to business e-commerce, but it has this unique interface that allows buyers and sellers to have equal power or equal access to setting the price. So let's take that example as like a bid. So if I wanna buy lumber, you can actually go in there and here's the products that I wanna buy and here's what I'm willing to pay. Like here's my price, this is, or this is what I'd like to pay. And then on the other end, <clears throat> companies can say, 
accept your offer? Basically, yep, I have that product and yes, I will accept that offer. Or is that? Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, historically, Tim, from growing up in the industry, everybody waited for prices to come across to them. Everybody waited for the mill or the distributor to be the aggressor on price. In our On our platform, the buyer can be the aggressor. They can put out yeah. what the price is or they can just look at the price but they can create their own list and shop or bought or put a bid, whatever they want to pay. A seller can put an offer on what they want to sell at. And then between e-commerce negotiation or digital banter back and forth, they find the value of what that is delivered to them. And at the mill or the wholesaler, F will be their delivery point, right? So everybody gets what they want and they create the information and the exchange of the digital information in, in the process of doing it. And, if, when it all works out correctly, uh, they consummate it by <clears throat> buying a truck, selling a truck, buying a car, selling a car of lumber. That's uh, so cool. Being yeah, a buyer, historically being a buyer in our industry, um, it, it is a senior person who has that skill set of being a buyer. There's a lot of horse trading going on. Uh, the average person really only has that negotiating when they go to buy a car. It, it, it fascinates me actually about Americans in general, North uh, people that live in North America, we don't like to um, banter back and forth or negotiate very much. Yeah. But there are a few bastions that, mm -hmm. oh, yes, you have to bargain. You know, you go to the, the car dealer. That's the top of the list. But no one goes to the grocery store and says, you know what? These watermelons at $4 a piece, I don't like that price. I'll go pay $3. And they go get the manager and walk over to the bin of <laughs> watermelons and say, I'll buy two for $3. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it's funny. I get to because that's funny. My wife and I, we were dating. We went to a store one time, and they were selling. It was more of like an international store, and they were selling. You know, you go down to Mexico, you go to other countries. That's very common. Right? You go to a market and you start, yeah. you know, bidding and basically say, "I'll take two of these for this price." And she's like, "Oh, I really like this, but I don't know if I like it for this price." Like, well, what if we bought three of them? Would you give it for this? I'm like. I'm like, you can't do that. You can't do that here. Like, this is the United States. And she's like, well, why not? Like, this, yeah. like, this yeah. is the type of place that we're, you know, we should be able to, you know, offer. And it was a different type of retail store. It wasn't your typical, like, hey, here's your MSRP. And so that's really interesting that, that you bring that up because it is, it's very foreign, right? You could sometimes do it in, a, you know, maybe a, a market downtown or something when you're buying fruit and vegetables. But typically it's not, the way of buying things. Well, and a part of it has to do with the fact that whoever is selling to you, <clears throat> who's ever responsible for that relationship, doesn't have the authority to change the price. Yeah. So, it, you know, it could be a clerk of some sort. But let's, you know, going back to lumber, uh, the way it's historically done, there is horse trading. There is that banter back and forth. And materials exchange has simply digitized that conversation. So what what I think, uh, what I believe about technology it is any uh, process that is repetitive, you can put technology to. So especially in business, uh, you look at what they've done to accounting, QuickBooks, right? Yep. Prior to QuickBooks, you had accountants and bookkeepers. Now one person can do it all on, um, on QuickBooks because it's a repetitive process. Yeah. So historically, <clears throat> how do people buy lumber? So when you say, you know, there's a lot of banter back and forth and you're, you're, you're saying, okay, I'll pay for this. Here's the price I want. How did that typically happen before, or how is it still happening today outside of materials exchange? Yeah. So I'll tell you, I'll start out at the, the simplest form and work my way up from there. 
growing up in a family lumberyard, we'd walk out in the yard, my father and I, with three by five note cards, and he'd write down what we were low on, what he thought, and we'd walk back in. And this is late 80s, early 90s. And then he'd send a fax or phone call to five vendors and write down all their numbers, throw out the high one, throw out the low one, negotiate with the three in the middle. Guess what? A lot of that still goes on at the retail level. Now, that's the simplest format, okay? Then you get up to these, as these, uh, and many of these negotiations were done like that because the owner, first, second, third generation, however you want to pick it, wanted control over that buying process, you know? That's because the inventory of lumber was the number one expense that's, that he had. That's right. But Mike and I growing yeah. up in the wholesale industry together, we noticed when we talk to a buyer, they generally own the lumber yard. Okay. Now you get all this consolidation, all these big chain yards. They hire a floor of 30 buyers that their main job has never run out of inventory. Um, buy on the spot market, buy on the contract market. Contract market means simply a third party. Uh, you negotiate how many items you want over a quarter or a given period of time, and you let an index set your price. You have no control over what the price is. You just say, I want 10 cars or two trucks a month for the next three months at the contract price, right? Yep. And then they fill in with the spot market price, but it's still done spot market, phone call, phone call, phone call. Uh, you know, hey, there's still fax numbers on people's business cards right now. There's still <laughs> faxes floating. I, yes, there um, is. IMs, instant messages now, uh, email going back and forth, but it is still done on a peer-to-peer -peer negotiation in most cases. That's why we still have the biggest, before the COVID thing, these big get-togethers with the good old people, relationships, go to the bars, dinner, and let's talk about how we're going to buy and sell next year, right? So to boil it down to the simplest thing, it's still a peer-to-peer, -peer, pick up the phone, negotiate, mm -hmm. What did you do this weekend? How was fishing? How big a deer did you get? And then let's let's talk some price. So the power, the power I feel is still at the seller's level. Most buyers, many especially younger ones, are still afraid to give a firm offer, right? They don't even know how to do it in many cases, which this technology is helping people uh, be able to have an equilibrium to the sell side. So Tim, I, I got a question for you. You know, hearing what you just heard from Ash, what's wrong with that? It's not broken. Yeah. Good point. So what do you think is, is there a problem with the way that business operates? Well, to me, it feels, well, one, it feels inefficient, right? It feels like a lot of work. There's, there's less transparency um, on the pricing side of things. Um, transparency. We're, we're not allowed to say that word. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a four letter word. Transparency. Come on. And then what other, you know, what comes to mind, and, and I don't know how, you know, being a local lumberyard, I'm assuming that potentially you were buying from mills within a certain region, right? Maybe with shorter shipping distances, stuff like that. And I would, I would imagine that materials exchange maybe opens that up to now, Absolutely. I can now buy from someone across the country because I could, they're willing to sell me at a better price or, you know, locally within my state, you know, maybe they're low, but I can get it over here. I might pay a little bit more, but I could still make my margin. But now you've opened up you know, your opportunity of now, rather than calling five or faxing five different vendors that you purchase from, now you've got 50, 100, I don't know how many are on the, on the platform. But to me, that feels like you're opening your opportunities of shopping and having the ability to kind of negotiate that price on a larger level, not just a local level. So let, let's take it one level deeper. You personally. 
So I'm, I'm going to give you two scenarios. Call these 10 people in the next 30 minutes and get all the pricing or go to a digital you know, <clears throat> marketplace and get the pricing. You personally, what, which one gives you more anxiety? Oh, the calling by far. Like think, I mean, what, what would that mean? What would that be like for you to call 30 or 10 people in 30 minutes? I would, I would much rather, I mean, you know, obviously I'm, so I'm 30, almost 37. So right. I'm, I think at the high end of millennial, right? So my, I don't like going into stores, right? I like to purchase online. I may go and pick it up. I would much rather put in my price or look at what's available and either purchase immediately or say, Hey, here's what I'm looking for. Here's what I'm willing to pay, go do other work. And then maybe an hour later, someone, you know, assuming that materials exchange will ping me and say, Hey, we found a seller for you who, who's willing to hit your price. Bam, pick, call, you know, pick them up, call up the phone and just negotiate that and be done with it. Like well, in my mind, actually, it all gets done on materials exchange. You don't even have there's to. There's no negotiations. It's all done digitally. Yeah. Right. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. So now, that same anxiety that you have about making those phone calls, there are people who have that anxiety about not making the phone calls, about using the digital platform. Yeah. Now, there's a great analogy. Uh, when a, a phone, can, let's say Apple comes out with a new phone <clears throat> and you know you're going to get that phone. Are you excited or are you uh, dreading the fact that you have to get a new phone? Oh, you're super excited. Not everybody. Think about someone who doesn't. That's true. Yeah. It, so th this is what's been fascinating about this whole experience. Isn't it funny? We're that, talking about something that's been done in every yeah. industry. And it's like, this is new, right? Right. This is yeah. the fascinating part about our experience so far. And wow, we can throw demographics at this. But the bottom line is when we find a person who is upset that their phone the phone that they've been using for the last two years, which is fantastic and it works and they make phone calls, it broke and they have to get a new one. And they're like, oh my God, I'm going to have to learn how to use a new phone. That person is not excited about a digital market. The people yeah. that are excited about our digital market are the ones that are like, I can't wait for the new iPhone 13 to come out. I, it's going to be awesome. So it, it's just interesting when <clears throat> you find that, person who wants to you who recognizes the power of technology that it's going to make their life better and embrace it versus the person who sees technology and goes oh no not again yeah so, i mean think about it's that it's and our industry is full of that and i think that oh, right digital well, transformation takes time see now i disagree you're correct our industry is full of that on one end of our um, demographic of the yes, but there is a massive push <laughs> right now coming up of thirty-seven-year-olds who are moving into decision-making roles, and those people are like they're so excited about materials exchange. But I I know of eighty-plus-year-old lumber buyers, and. In what industry could an 80-year-old still be effective? Not it just, I don't, I don't want to mean it sound derogatory towards older people, but um, not only effective, but still needed. 
like it, it's it's crazy that the industry hasn't embraced this uh, technology quick, not ours, but any technology quicker. Yeah. Yep. And it comes back to personalities and the people involved, and they build a moat around themselves, and it's starting to break down. Well, think think about this. And this I think Tim, since we're using you as a we're bouncing you as a soundboard of questions. Imagine this: you go to LinkedIn today or somewhere, and you look job opening as a buyer or a seller at this company or that company. We will train you. In three years, you may be up and running with all of, if you make 75 phone calls a day and we will monitor all your phone calls and we will send you to every sales class and brainwash you into how to figure out how to counter all the buyers, you can have a really successful career. How does that sound to you doing that job? Yeah, as so it is, yeah, yeah. That goes on every single day, and, and, and I was part of it. I used to be the vice president of a sales company, and here's my pitch to people coming in. If you come in, we'll give you three years. You may or may not be successful, but we'll give you all the tools. There's the phone over there. We used to say, here's a book that you can dial. Now we have leads. It almost sounds like Glenn Gary, Gunn Ross or whatever, right? But we, yeah. we, you know, we can, we'll, make, we'll give you all the tools to be successful. Dial for dollars make a hundred phone calls a day and we'll give you all the tools and you may be successful. That sounds horrible to me today doing something like that. Yeah. Um, how about this? We give you digital technology and some training and you can be up and running in two weeks and be effective with our companies as a buyer and seller. That sounds a little bit better to me. And, and we yeah. have real life instances of that happening. And I could see the, you know, what I noticed when, when it, in the past, when I've done this with digital transformation, digital transformation, we talk about the augmented reality, right? When nobody knew it, I'd go out to dealers and contractors, and I would demo this for them, without them actually seeing it. I, I hundreds of these stories where I'd sit and I'd demo putting a deck, like in open space, and walk around that deck, change out the decking, colors, material, the infills, and it was like magic to these these customers, people who are not digital savvy at all. Like some of them still had flip phones at the time. And I'd sit in meetings of like, so all you're, you're telling me all I need to do is buy an iPad and I can have that experience at my dealer yard or as a contractor with a homeowner. So that's all you got to do. In every meeting, they just be like, okay, go buy two iPads. Let's rock and roll. Let's, let's get this going. And I think to the, that point is there's a certain point where people who may not fully understand it, right? Because they get, we do get stuck in our ways, right? And it's like, this is the way it's always been done. And I think that's what's more difficult in the building products industry is to affect that change. But when they start seeing that value, yeah. of saying, oh, the, okay, there's something here and that it's not necessarily replacing what I'm doing. It's not replacing my job and my value. It's actually making my job easier and more effective. Right. To me, there, there's going to be that, that switch. I'd be very curious with, with lumber prices and lumber shortage and how everything's going, are you seeing some of this? Uh, so we'll say the older generation who's more attuned to the phone calls. And, and again, it's a very relationship uh, relationship business, right? Are you seeing that, okay, now they're having trouble finding lumber or getting the prices they want. Now they're saying, well, I'll give material exchange a chance because now I can broaden my opportunities and see what happens. Are you seeing any of that happen where they're now like, Hey, this is cool. Let me try this. This might open up new doors of getting lumber or getting it at a different price. Um, absolutely. So uh, I appreciate the switch on the conversation because we talked about, you know, previously here about disruption 
And now let's talk about enabling, which you just gave a great example yeah. of, wow, we can do this, let's go get iPads. Um, the reality is we enable a whole new way for the supply chain to work. And in fact, we call it the supply web. So yeah, we're getting pinged now from people whose experience with the relationship-based supply chain was unsatisfactory in the last lumber move and they want a different way to do it. Because think about it, if your relationship breaks down or if your trading partners via relationship don't have the product you need, now you've got a pain point and you're gonna go look for something new. Yeah. So exactly, we are seeing um, a whole new demographic come through uh, and reach out to us. And this is something that I didn't anticipate actually. And I've learned a lot more is two things. The, the scale, the size and scale of the builders and their capacity to actually inventory their own product. And also the, the traditional builder who was uh, soup to nuts that built the entire house is they, they've broken it out and there's a lot more framing contractors. There are people specializing in just framing up the house. Okay. And um, they can buy at scale and they move quick and they, they do a lot of offsite construction now. and they do offsite. They don't need necessarily the um, service of a full stack lumber dealer or a full stack supplier where they're going to give them from door hinges to roof paper, to roof sheeting, you know, yep. studs, a framer, you know what they need? They need wood and sheeting. They're coming in, they're framing out the house in a day or two and they're gone. And then the next, uh, you know, trade comes in. Yep. So those two factors opened up this, this new opportunity for, um, for us actually, where we can open that supply chain up a little bit, more directly connect the supply to where the demand actually is and take out a few of the, what has become unnecessary steps in the middle. That's really cool. Yeah, that makes sense. And, but we're not, we're still, there still are those steps in the middle that need to participate. Yeah. So, but it's, we're just, we're kind of breaking through what that traditional supply chain looked like. And like I said before, it's becoming more of a supply web where parties inside of that supply chain can be trading with each other back and forth. Uh, we've had instances where um, retailers have sold to distributors. We actually recently have had a component manufacturer selling back into retail lumber dealers. It is oh, really? crazy, the crazy distance they go. So during this whole crazy volatile market, we had people getting together digitally that would have never ever in a million years match. We had wood moving from Minnesota down to Texas, from Boston back to Nebraska. And think about this, think about all the distribution points in lumber that they drive past going, going there. If you're going 1200 miles, you're going by all kinds of lumber. The reason that yeah. lumber didn't get sold from those other locations there, because they didn't have a relationship. Digitally now, everybody on the platform has a relationship. Instantly, one click of a button. You click and you buy, you click and you sell. It's really that easy. 
That's really cool. Let me ask you this. So, oh, go ahead. Dude. I was going to say backgrounds. Did you want us to give our background since we yeah. totally blew by that? No, this is great. Let's it's, let's touch quickly about that. But then I'd love to go into, um, you know, what's what's next? How do you continue building? I'm curious if you're going to go in or, you know, obviously right now, probably international is difficult, right? Bringing that, bringing in lumber, but um, yeah, give me a little bit about your background. This sounds like, you know, you're, you're not out of college. You're not 20 something year olds doing this startup. As you mentioned earlier, we were talking about this, like a little bit of a risky thing to be jumping into and knowing that there's going to be change. I'm sure COVID and, and the lumber pricing has probably helped a ton in getting people onto your platform and understanding the value of it. But uh, yeah, what's your background? I know, so you grew up in a lumber yard, so you're very, very familiar with lumber, Ashley. I grew up in a lumber yard. My parents had a lumber yard in Northern Illinois. Most of the lumber went out on an F-250 pickup truck, right? We had an old 1969 C-50 Ford or C-50 Chevy that job packs went out on. So very familiar with the touchy-feely of lumber and how it was bought and yeah. sold. You know, went to school, um, ag major, came back, did not want to be in the family business. Um, just because I saw how hard it was in a small family business. And I really have a lot of respect for small family businesses, especially lumber yards, because they earn every dollar they make. So went to work for a company called Block Lumber in Chicago. Ted Block was the first um, person to help develop and, and launch the CME futures contract in 1969. Uh, we developed the first forward pricing model for lumber extended shipment that is still used today. Um, we launched uh, a couple different things, publications that um, helped prognosticate and look at basis, which is owned by some other people now. Uh, so in, in, in the industry, as Mike can attest to a block, uh, there are probably 10 young people. We hired a bunch of young people when we were there and they're now out making differences all over. So I was there, then I went to um, a company called Coke, a little, little company with about 180,000 people in Wichita and I worked on their uh, pulp and paper trading desk and lumber trading desk. So we did financial swaps and derivatives. So I've gone everywhere from loading pickup trucks to forward pricing lumber <laughs> to doing financial swaps. Now, the cool thing, I love Mike's story because we really met in the early 90s and Mike and I got together at Block Lumber. Um, and Mike says you can't negotiate for things, but we actually lived together. And when we first went and bought a TV at Best Buy, it was a floor model and Mike said, we can get this cheaper. And I said, you can't do that. And he got it cheaper. He went and got the guy. So that's how <laughs> that's I'm like, awesome. this guy's pretty cool. I like this, but like, I'll, I'll stop on my story here because when you hear Mike's story about how he changed the digital technology and lumber already, I don't think people really appreciate it. So Mike. Uh, well, I grew up in a construction family. And so I understood what it meant. It was commercial construction. What okay materials meant to a project. Um, I mean, I've been on the first day of a project where we stood in a farm field and you then, nothing. you know, two years later, there's a shopping mall. Yeah. So it's cool. That's a great experience. Um, like Ash said, I, you know, we met at Block Lumber and I learned the lumber business. When I first got there, I remember this fascinating machine that was bought one day called a fax machine. <laughs> <laughs> and I actually got in trouble because I was going to negotiate with other traders there to program their customers' numbers into the fax machine and broadcast the fax out. And I want if I was going to do that, I wanted to get a cut. And I got yelled at for taking advantage of 
other traders because of my knowledge of technology. To me. <laughs> it's crazy. So look. So you've been doing this for you. You've been disrupting the way that this has been bought all the way back, oh, yeah. to, the fax, all the way back to the fax machine. But we've, we've learned some amazing things. I'm 51 years old. I started out with rotary phones. Then we went to touchstone phones. Now we fax machines, Smartphones. email, email was like absolutely unprecedented in the imagine. Yeah. communication. Um, Think of all the different uh, technologies around uh, enterprise software, how you operate your business. Uh, I mean, I, I grew up on green screens and DOS. And I remember guys that got mad when we put a computer screen on their desk because it took up too much space and they weren't going to use it. Yeah, we bought them gateways. So yeah. <laughs> I left Lumber because I got so frustrated with the fact that my friends, this is the late 90s, my friends were getting into uh, programming and you could see other industries accelerating and I'm like I I'm done with this so I left and I started trading electronically lumber or not lumber uh, futures from government bond futures from Europe okay we had a one second delay through the cable that went underneath the Atlantic Ocean <laughs> over Europe it was pretty wild fast forward to 2009 the CME group announced they were putting the lumber futures contract onto their Globex platform, which is their digital platform. Up to that point, it had solely been traded in the trading pits, just like uh, Dan Aykroyd and Eddie Murphy in trading yeah. pits. You know, people standing around writing on cards and yelling back and forth at each other. So January of 2009, I walked into the lumber pit with a computer and I was threatened with violence. I was laughed at. I was belittled and 18 months later, 95% of the contracts were traded on the computer. Wow. So in 2009, you were 30, 31, right around there? Um, 2009, I was like 39, uh, <clears throat> I was almost 40. 39, okay, okay. Yeah. Man, that's fascinating. Um, so then uh, things were great. I mean, I did that for about three or four years and I was the fastest cat out there. Um, and then I had this vision that no, at the time, computerized trading, like algorithms and robotic trading basically were coming into these other big markets. And I said to myself, you know what? They're never gonna come into lumber. We're just too small of a market. Who would build an expensive algorithm just for lumber? Yeah. And no one did. All they did was take the expensive algorithm they built for another big marketplace and customize it for the lumber market. And I was like, whoa. It was my first experience of portability, the portability of technology. Yeah. And you, know, cool. here, we, you can see it all over our, our personal lives where one technology worked in one industry and then they move it to another. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I said, you know what? We can take the way these exchanges are operating and bring that model to the cash traded lumber market. And, and that's what we've done. So That's um, awesome. That's really cool. The question is what's next and what is next is it's actually hidden in the name of our company. We are materials, the letter X, and then the word change materials exchange. The bottom of the X is actually a Delta. We close the bottom up. When you okay. I can see it. Yeah. See right there. The symbol Delta in science means change. We're not lumber exchange or materials exchange. We're going to migrate into any other building material market or raw material market 
that uh, makes sense at the time. Yeah. And I would envision in 10 years, we're in over 100 different marketplaces and we would be, we'll be the dominating um, central technology that provides the plumbing, connecting up supply and demand in the most efficient manner, um, allowing pure price, price transparency and visibility into where the product lies and where the demand lies. I mean, look, Tim, we're, we're laser focused on lumber right now, but some of the companies I told you I came from, I'd walk across their big trading floors and I'd see these groups, these little obscure groups of five or six people and see the volume that they were trading and be like, what are those people trading? Well, they're trading this other call around market. I'm like, yeah, there's a lot of these little ring fences, so to speak, all over the world, whether they're recyclables or other things that still trade on a peer to peer. I'm talking billions of dollars peer to peer still on the phone, kind of hidden, obscure, not a lot of transparency. Um, in the forest products industry alone, we, we won't give away too much, but getting into the industrial side of it, there's a whole lot of opportunity. Yeah. So like Mike said, it's hidden in our name, but we're going to be successful in lumber first and, and then launch into other verticals. And that's, it, it's amazing how this all lines up, right? You, you guys both have experience in lumber, right? Lumber yards, um, for years and years trading lumber, right? So you, you, you launched Materials Exchange with lumber in 2019, is that correct? Uh, yes, ago? yep. COVID hits, the lumber market just drives up like, you know, the pricing drives up, the inventory goes low. And now all of a sudden you're in this unique situation where you have the opportunity to disrupt, you're already disrupting in, uh, an industry that is volatile right now. So it just feels like the timing has worked out pretty nicely where starting with lumber, you guys it's, picked the right one. Funny. We, we were a little nervous, uh, honestly. So, you know, we were going to trade shows because here's the, here's the, um, the ironic part. We still have to go to trade shows and an use analog type of go to dinner yeah. with people, talk to sell a digital technology. To, to, to some, yep. right? Yeah. All of a sudden COVID hits, we're like, oh, what's this going to do to us? Well, there's a lot of unknown unknowns in life. And the unknown in this one was everybody wanted to do more with less and look at digital technology. And guess what? They wanted to look at digital technology in our industry and it worked in our favor. That's fantastic. We're, we're grateful for that, and, uh, but it did. And, and look, if, if you want to be successful and you're resourceful, and you're willing to take a risk, you're gonna be successful. So COVID hits in March. In fact, Ashley and I were at a convention yeah. in, um, Palm, in Cal Palm, Palm Springs, Springs, California, like okay. when everything blew up. We're like, when everything shut down. Yeah. When everything starts shutting yeah. down. And we, we said, what are we gonna do? And April, we kind of hunkered down. And we said, look, we, we gotta get out to people. We did a, our first webinar in May of that year. Since then, we have been so active through the digital channels, oh, through amazing. social media. Yeah. In fact, fast forward to today, we put three live streaming shows on a week. Um, and we're going to be awesome. expanding to five. So we have not missed a beat with connecting to people in the industry who are willing to get connected with us in a digital format. Yeah, so we want to give transparency on our digital exchange, but we also want to get basically do 
like a, a broad a broadcasting network where we're giving information to people instead of having to make five phone calls to salespeople yep. and buyers and sellers to find out what's going on. We have guests on and we try to show what's going on in the market everywhere. And we let everybody look at it for free. Yeah. It's that thought leadership, you know, adding value to that platform that's already, right, already right. has value. Yeah. And I, I'm looking forward to getting back to conventions. Yeah. Um, so one of our challenges actually going forward is our product and making it user-friendly. Um, you know, I think you've experienced this with the designs that you've done in the past, Yep. Uh, the product design. Um, we have to continually make sure that our product and the, the way it works and the uses is inviting and welcoming to people of all demographics. And Absolutely. I think okay. Tim, Tim Jobs, uh, or Steve Jobs said that the best technology is simple and, and easy. So, Absolutely. Um, we and that's what it, 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 it's so incredibly hard to do that sometimes, right? You because you get so close to it, and there's all these features and there's things you want, and sometimes you you have to step back and say, how do we how do we simplify this so much that anyone can come into our okay. you know, my history design software and jump right in and without a tutorial, you know? And there might be a short tutorial, but how do you get them onboarded in minutes, not in hours? Look at Robinhood, right? Look at Robinhood. Yeah, it's like, exactly. It's, it's the gamification of trading. I mean, you get on Robinhood, and I, this is speaking for me, it doesn't look like a spreadsheet. It's a game, and it makes you want to buy and sell more stocks, right? Yeah. It's I, traded, I bought some stuff through JP Morgan, and it was incredibly hard. I'm like, I, this is so complicated. It took days. I'm like, I, I bought a few things, and I'd done, and I switched to a different it's usually you want to make something user-friendly in, in in the format that they're used to using in their everyday life and everything else so real quick i want to i want to end on a couple of things appreciate your time this has been fascinating um <clears throat> three things here at the end in one sentence can you give some encouragement some uh insight into people who want to innovate and disrupt within the building products industry what is you know maybe a, a word of advice um or encouragement from that standpoint, right? To start building. Uh, I don't know if I can do it in one sentence, but I can tell you the three things. First thing, just do it. Uh, the second thing is be open to feedback because your product is never what, it never lands the way you think it's going to land for someone. So do it, be open to feedback and never give up. It all, I love it. I'll throw in, um, this is a great industry and it's obvious it by, the, by the money coming into it. Our platform is accessible to everyone. And my bit of advice to everyone in life is to challenge everybody at your company. If you don't have a company where you can challenge people and ask for and explain why you want something, then you shouldn't be at that company. Every company should be open to challenges and to reasons why they should do things and not do things according to the status quo and how things used to be done. That's a successful company. And with materials exchange, we can be a small part of that. That's awesome. That's fantastic. Um, real quick, you guys have something exciting coming up in October that I just saw, the new Frontiers yep. Conference. By yes. the way, that, that hotel in Chicago is like, Amazing. So nice, yeah, nice it's, location. It's, awesome. it's great. I am so 
excited about this conference because it's like no conference has ever been done in the lumber industry. We're not having anyone from lumber industry talk. I, we go to these conferences too often and you see the same people telling you what you already know. That's why we called it the New Frontiers Conference. We're bringing in change agents from other industries to relate their experience of going through change. Like you alluded to at the beginning of the yes. show, lumber industry hasn't done it yet. So we're going to bring the people in who have done it and learn from them, ask them questions, and then just start the conversation uh, with each other. What do we need to do as a, as a community to bring about good change for everyone? And just love it. Yeah. That's so awesome. It's, it's gonna, and everyone's invited. We are non-discriminatory as to who can use our platform, who can come to our conferences. We are an open book about price transparency. If you want to talk to us, give us a call. Um, we do not. We do. We do not build moats. We build open planes where everyone can succeed. That's so cool. Yeah, I'm super excited about it. I think for our industry, obviously, you know, just with my background and just being passionate about innovation technology. I'm all in. I'm backed up and ready to go. So Chicago in October, check out material, materials exchange. There's more information real quick. Uh, how, what, how can our listeners best contact you get in contact? How can you learn more about materials exchange? What's the best way to connect uh, so, and learn more? I, we have a flippant answer to that. Come find us. If you can't figure out how to find us in today's world, I don't need to tell you where my website is. You can Google us. You can do whatever. So if you need directions on how to find us, you're probably not going to be successful with our platform. That makes sense, right? Digital platform. Right. We're on LinkedIn. Materialsexchange.com or mxlumber.com yeah. is the easiest way to find us. Fantastic. Yep. Well, I appreciate your time. This has been wonderful. Uh, Thanks, Tim. I love what you're doing in the industry. And uh We'll sign off here and we'll, we'll stay in touch and looking forward to hear what happens next. Thank right. you. Take care. Thanks, fellas. That is our show for today. To learn more about the Start Building podcast, go to www.startbuildingsomething.com. That is my blog where I post regularly about innovation and technology within the building products industry. Thank you for listening. Until next time, continue building. Continue building.